Hello, and I want to welcome all those who are watching our message today through um, video or through our YouTube channel or through podcast. And I also just want to say it's exciting what's been going on over these last couple of weekends as we consider the fact that last week we saw eight people baptized at our Allison campus. And I know at the Brentwood campus today, we are celebrating the baptism of a couple and uh, also the reception of another member as well. So we've seen people take those steps towards belonging to Jesus and also becoming members of the Journey Church. And we're just really excited about that. You know, just before we begin this second message uh, today, I want to tell you where we're also beginning another exciting step in the life of the Journey Church. Now, over this past fall in 2013, even though now we're in 2014, in in this past fall, we had a group of people assembling together, meeting on a biweekly basis, and they were... Well, technically, they were called the vision team, but we wanted a more exciting name for them, so we called them the Imagineers. Now, the Imagineers have a mission. They want to invite as many other people in the life of the Journey Church to become Imagineers along with them. No, you're not going to wear Mickey Mouse ears, because yes, that's where we're sort of getting the idea from. But what we really want you to do is begin to um, think about this question. And here's, it's going to come up on the slide right now. Um, What do we believe God wants our church to become in the next five years? Um, That is going to be the question that our vision team, the Imagineers, wants to invite all of us to consider and to really think about and to come into a discussion with. What do we believe God wants our church to become in the next five years. Now, again, regardless of where you're at in your journey, you could be brand new, you could be uh, just a new member, you could be a longtime attender, a longtime member. Um, we want everybody to start to dream and ask, what do we believe God wants our church to become? Now, as we begin this journey, there are going to be some actually very, some sort of technical steps we want you to take part in. It isn't just going to be, oh, well, that's a nice question. I guess now I'll go back and be thinking about whatever else. No, there's going to be some real steps of participation. The first major step of participation for all of our congregations, Saturday night and our two Sunday morning congregations, is that we're going to be launching a digital survey called Reveal, or it's also known as the Spiritual Life Survey. And you'll be hearing more about this. It, there's lots of time. We're going to be um, starting it sort of the middle of February. So we're going to be talking about it over the next few weeks. But we want you to start to get ready to say, yes, I will fill out that spiritual life survey. I am so excited about helping our church to understand and assess where we're really at. Because at the end of the day, all of us who are attenders and members make up this community and that is really what we need to understand. Where are we at? Well, the only way we know where we are at is if you reveal where you are at. So again, Spiritual Life Survey, get ready. It's coming. Really excited about seeing how all those who are going to participate. Now, as we're just about to begin the message, let me remind you about our Version app. Um, if you don't have our Version app on your smart device, please download it. Um, some of you, I, I know with 
Some people here, I've actually looked at you, talked to you, and then you downloaded it. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. I'm looking over a couple of our, our very faithful attenders here, and they, they really did what I asked them to do. But download the app, go to the menu, search live, hit the live uh, icon, and then type in TJC Moncton, and voila, you should see the outline and all the other cute little things that we have with it. Or you can just take your Bible and follow along, okay? That, either way, okay? Either way is good. Um, also, just want to let you know that as we're just doing this series called I Am a Church Member, um, the book that is supporting this series is actually called as well I Am a Church Member by Thomas S. Rayner. And it's a, it's a simple little book. It's less than 100 pages. It's a great little read. I really encourage you, if you'd like to read the book that supports this series, this is the book to check out on Amazon. You can download it. I think there's a Kindle copy as well. Now, today we're in our second uh, message, um, and it's called More Than Me. More Than Me. Um, in order for us to get our head into the game about, about church membership as we start this message, I want us to begin by hearing a story called The Tale of Two Church Members. Let's listen to this story. Michael and Liam had been meeting for Monday morning breakfast at six o'clock for over five months. They originally thought it would be a one-time event. Now they had met in a couple's Bible study group in their church, and for many reasons they hit it off and became very good friends. When Michael originally invited Liam to meet him for breakfast on a Monday morning, Liam readily agreed. Now, the two men enjoyed their time together so much that that one-time event became a weekly thing. It was now rare for the two friends not to meet on a Monday morning. Early in their friendship, the conversation focused on sports, family, politics, and they had much in common. Michael was 41 and Liam 39. They each had three kids and both were college football fans. Each one of their teams was in the same football conference. They were pretty fierce rivals as well. So the guys thoroughly enjoyed trash-talking each other's team in a friendly spirit. But on this particular Monday morning, the conversation turned serious. Michael and his wife had noticed some changes in the demeanor of Liam in their Bible study group. He no longer seemed as interested in studying and discussing the Bible as he did talking about their church. And his comments were often critical about the congregation, even though the two families had been members there. Still, Michael was caught off guard on that particular Monday morning. Liam loved the poached eggs in this little restaurant. It was his regular order. But on this Monday morning, he hadn't touched them. He was barely sipping his coffee. Liam didn't take long to get to the point. Michael... He began, Lana and I have decided to leave the church. The pause seemed to last for minutes. Neither of the men seemed to know who should speak next. Michael took the initiative and spoke softly and deliberately. Do you want to tell me about it? He honestly didn't know if Liam wanted to say anything more about it. His friend seemed resolute. Nevertheless, 
Liam began to explain his feelings and the decision. Lana and I went to the church to learn deep truths about the Bible. But Pastor Robert is just not feeding us. We're not getting anything out of his messages. Sitting in the service on Sunday morning just seems like a waste of our time. Michael didn't respond. He could tell Liam had more to say. There are several great people in the church, Liam continued. You and Karen are the best. And there are a few more like you. He paused and his facial expression became even more serious. But honestly, Michael, our church is full of hypocrites. Did you hear Jim at the basketball game? He embarrassed me the way he was screaming at the refs. What kind of testimony is that for a Christian? And of course, everyone knows about Neil. He was supposedly a pillar of the church. And we find out he's been cheating on his wife for over a year. What kind of church is this with these kinds of people? Liam was angry, but controlled as he went on. Look, Pastor Robert acts like he cares for us. But I'm not sure that he does. I told him that Lana's dad was in the hospital for hernia surgery, and he didn't even visit him. Now, Michael knew that Lana's father wasn't a member of the church and that he lived 50 miles away. He also knew that Pastor Robert had called him and had prayed with him. But he knew that any rebuttal would not be appreciated at the moment. So Michael held his tongue. Now, it seemed that Liam's mild rant was winding down. Liam seemed exhausted and ready to bring the conversation to a close. He did, however, offer a few pointed comments and two insightful questions. Michael, I really like you and Karen and your kids. All of you are a class act. He paused briefly. But you seem enthused about the church. You, you keep serving and contributing. Now, don't take me wrong, but I wonder at times if maybe you're blind to all of these problems in the church. Then Liam offered a dosing that was truly more than he realized. We really are two different kinds of church members. Why is that? Why do we have such different perspectives? As we talk about church membership, again, we're talking about a very important um, biblical idea. We're talking about what it really means to live out our faith in following Jesus. Because for Jesus, he really said, if you're going to be my disciples, you need to love one another. And he calls us to love one another in the context of his church, the body, the fellowship. And so the challenge is, is for us to understand then what does it mean to be a church member in a healthy way, in a loving way, in a way that honors Christ and makes an impact on this world. As we talk about church membership today, I want us to get our head around this idea. 
My church is about more than me. My church is about more than me. Because every time we start to believe my church is about me, it's about my wants and my preferences and desires, we will have not a unified church, but a fractured church. And that's the very opposite of what God wants. In another letter to another church in Ephesus called the book of Ephesians, this is how Paul writes to this church. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And then actually in the third verse, which you don't see up on the screen, he goes on to say, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. You know, as we think about what it means to be a church member, one of the calls, last week we talked about we need to be a functioning church member. We need to be active, using, becoming the part, of the, the part of the body of Christ that Christ designed us to be. If we're called to be a hand, let's be a hand. If we're a foot, we're a foot. We need to use the spiritual gifts and abilities God created us with and, and gave to us through the Spirit in order to be part of the body of Christ. We're to be functioning. That was last week's big idea. Well, today we're talking about being a unifying church member if we're going to be a healthy church member. And yet, if we're honest, we know that unity in a local church is really, 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 really tough. I'll never forget one of our area ministers in our denomination, and this is when we still had area ministers, um, talked about a church in the Maritimes that he had to go and help calm down. Now you say, well, why did he have to go and help calm down a local church? Because all local churches are just loving and giving and sharing and understanding. Well, this church had had a business meeting. And at this business meeting, there was a disagreement on some decision. And basically the church was literally split in half on this decision. And it just so happened to be that in this church, and actually this takes me back to the original building of, the, of our Allison campus. We, had, we used to have this tiny little church and we just had two little sections. So, you know, just one section here, one section here, one center aisle, and that was it. And um, actually this church was about that size. And at this business meeting, the one side took one side of the church and the people on the other side took the other side of the church. And the conversation started to get more heated and the, the moderator, the volunteer moderator of the meeting lost control of the discussion and things moved from robust to, you could say, as the area minister said, they became fairly violent. And you say, well, how did they become violent? Well, they started to take the hymn books and throw them at each other. And at that moment, they realized, you know, this meeting has really gotten out of control. Now, that is a bad example, right? And that's really an example why unity is such a challenge. But, but can I say something? You could say, well, we would never do that. 
Well, I hope we wouldn't. But let me say that when we allow gossip, when we allow anger, when we allow disrespect, when we allow an apathetic attitude towards each other to grow, I would say to you, we're still throwing hymn books. Now, what makes unity a challenge in the life of a church? Well, let's just think through some things really quickly. First of all, we all have different stories. We, we all have different experiences. For some of us, we came from real tough situations. For others of us, we've come from middle-class situations. Others of us, we're upper-class. You know, some of us are educated. Some of us aren't as educated. Some of us are, are more down-to-earth and doers, and others are more dreamers and thinkers and like to use words. Others are more performers. Others are more behind the scenes. We all have different stories. We even come from different families. Some people come from broken families, dysfunctional families, hurtful families, abusive families. Other fam people come from families where they loved each other and camped together and sang songs together and, you know, did kumbaya together. I mean, and they, everybody has different stories. And the problem is, though, that if we aren't really loving each other, and by loving, I mean listening to each other, we don't know each other's stories. And when we don't know each other's stories, we are quick to jump to conclusions when we shouldn't be jumping to conclusions. You know, I love the illustration I read years ago, maybe you've heard of it, but it was about a guy that was on a bus, and he was traveling downtown on the bus, and he was trying to read his daily morning newspaper, and of course, all of a sudden, they came to a bus stop, and on the, onto the bus jumped a young mother and her boy. And this little boy is around four or five years old, and she came on, and she seemed to be really just absent-minded, not really focused, and this little boy was out of control. And this little boy was jumping on the seats and running back and forth in the bus, not taking his place at all. And this person on the bus was thinking, this mother knows nothing about discipline. Who taught her how to be a mother? You are supposed to keep your child in control. This is a public venue. This is a public bus. And he grew more and more agitated, thinking, what kind of mother is this? This is why our country is in the state it's in. And on and on, he started to think. Well, finally, he got so worked up, he went over to her to say, listen, could you please at least keep your child in control? Don't you see he's bothering all the other passengers? And as he began to speak, she interrupted him and said, I'm so sorry. I, I haven't been focused on my child. I do apologize. We just came from the hospital. His dad just died. And we're just going home because I don't have a car right now. Now, now, here's the thing. All of a sudden, this person, who was very judgmental, moved to what? What, 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 what word? Isn't it com compassion, right? Kindness. Why? Because all of a sudden, he knew her story. Same outcome. The kid was still acting out, jumping around. Same, same circumstances, total different view, because he knew her story. Let me say to you that one thing that makes unity a challenge is not only do we not know our past stories, but we don't know our present stories. We all walk in here. I don't know all your present challenges today. I don't know if you've had a good week or a bad week. I don't know if some of you've gotten good news or bad news. I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know what you're struggling with. And neither do all of us. 
And sometimes we need to we need to be more compassionate with one another and say, do I know that person's story before I start to judge? Um, another thing that makes unity a challenge is, is personal preferences. And um, I think it's interesting that, that we all have personal preferences. I mean, some of us, you know, watch certain television shows. Some of us like sports. Some of us like ballet. Some of us like country music. Some of us like rock music. Some of us like rap. And guess what happens? Everybody comes into the church with their personal preferences. And if their focus is on themselves, if they're saying the church is about me, then they're going to, after a while, start saying, how come they don't play more country music? I want more country music. Others may be saying, finally, they're bringing for the cross. Finally, they're getting some good Southern gospel. I'll get some head shakes on that one. Yes, finally, finally. Others are saying, we need to have some rap music to reach some more of the young people. Oh, right. That's right. And that is coming, sort of, maybe, possibly. <laughs> so, I mean, on and on it goes. And, and again, though, if we allow our preferences to be our priority, we are going to have problems around unity. Another thing that makes unity a challenge is the inward focus. And all I want to say around, uh, around that idea is that when we think about who God is, God, first and foremost, in his love, is outward. He so loved that he gave. He sent his son. His love made him go outward. And yet, often what the danger is, is when people come in here, they start to say, I just want to think about me and my and those who are close to me, and that's all I care about. You know, sometimes, I want to go on a limb on saying this, is that sometimes when we have a combined service, people say, isn't that great that we're all together? And don't get me wrong, I think that is great that we can have moments where we sort of come all together and, and all three congregations. But I can't help but think that when I think that Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost, that, that God sent his son to reconcile those who are far from him and to bring him, them into friendship with God and that we are to be that church that does that along with all the other churches around the world. That I can't help but think, you know, we have three services right now and we have empty chairs all over the place. And I'm asking myself, who isn't here yet that we're supposed to be reaching. And we have room for them. We have room for them. And I get excited about thinking that let's begin in 2014 to start to think about our neighbors, our associates, our co-workers, our friends, our family, that we need to say, God, by your mercy and strength and grace, let us also be outward rather than inward focused. So now the question becomes, um, how do we then demonstrate unity? Um, I, I, I love this quote I read in Thomas Rainier's book, I'm a Church Member. He says, when we seek unity, we are demonstrating love. That, now, did you get that? When we seek to be unified, we're demonstrating love. So the question becomes, how do we seek unity? Well, I wanted us to, to come to Philippians 2, 5 to 11. And let's bring up that passage if we can right now. We, let's, let's read this. 
Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all all other names, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, 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 this is a very powerful passage, but here's one big idea that comes out of this passage. God reveals himself to us as a servant. And we are to have that same mindset of Christ. Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's eyes, in God's kingdom, you need to be the servant of all. Servant happens all over in in the New Testament. And that is one of the images that we are called to be as we follow Jesus. Because Jesus was a servant, we're called to be a servant. Now, let's get this. If everybody comes into this church and says, this church is about more than me, and I'm supposed to follow Christ's example of being a servant, and I come into this church with a servant heart, knowing that the greatest in this church is those who are the servant of all. If I come in and say, how can I help? What can we do in order to accomplish the mission that God's given us of sharing his hope, his hope in Christ, the eternal life that we can have in Christ, the forgiveness of sins? How can we show this love to a world in need, to a community in need? How do we be a light in Moncton and New Brunswick and Canada and all around the world? How can we serve one another and serve others? What can I do because of what Jesus has done for me? How can I serve? Do you think unity would be a problem? Um, you know, when here's the paradox of church membership. And I can tell you this after a long time being a pastor. <laughs> the paradox is the members who find the greatest joy in being a church member are those who choose to be last rather than those church members who keep demanding their own way. Well, let's just find, let's just land this thing. But now how do we practice unity in practical ways? How do we put on a servant mindset, the one of Christ and serve one another so that when we are practicing unity, we are actually demonstrating the love of Christ? How do we really do this in real time? I want to leave you with two very practical things that we all need to do. And I want to say it has to start with your pastor and it has to work itself out into our leadership and it has to work itself out into all the members of the church. Here's what we need to do. First of all, we need to put into motion no negative talk. We need to put into motion no negative talk. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is really taking up residence in our life, one of the expressions of the Holy Spirit is that we practice self-control. 
one aspect of our fallen nature is that we love to hear bad news. We love to ro rotate on it, think about it, chew on it. Did you hear? <gasps> Did you know? <gasps> I heard. <gasps> and we are like bees to honey on it. And yet when we have the spirit of Christ, we cannot be engaged in negative talk. And he, listen to what the, how the Bible puts it here. Let's, let's bring up this verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 20. He says, for I am afraid that when I come, I won't like what I will find and you won't like my response. I am afraid, writes Paul, that I will find, listen, quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Now, how many of those are negative talk? Quite a few. Quarreling, slander, gossip. Actually, they all could express themselves. Negative talk is one of the things that kills, can kill the life of a church. You know, James warned the power of the tongue, right? It's the smallest member of the body. Speaking about being a member of the body. And it can light a whole forest on fire. Right? Now, now someone may say, well, now Dave, you, you misunderstand. I, isn't, it, isn't it right for me to ask questions? And isn't it right for me to have, you know, thorough, rationalistic, you know, critique of what's going on in the life of our church community? Can't we dialogue and have conversation? Absolutely. But, but what we need to walk away from is, for example, talking about other people when we're not involved in that situation at all. You know, I, I, I used to have uh, uh, um, Evelyn, and Evelyn and I, uh, she was my assistant uh, for many years here at the Journey Church. And we used to talk about what's the difference between gossip and talking about someone who's in need and really trying to understand what's going on. And, and I, I always said this. I said, if you're directly involved in that person's life and they're going through a real struggle, yes, you should be talking to others about that and saying, how can we help that person? But if you have nothing to do with that ministry situation, at the mo only thing you should do is saying, you know, I'm going to pray for that family. I think they're going through struggles. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I'm simply going to pray for them. That's the difference between gossip and then talking about someone because you're concerned and wanting to minister and help. But we have to put away negative talk. We have to put away negative talk. The, the other thing that we also need to put in motion is forgiving those who hurt me. Uh, Paul writes, Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 4.32. Let's, let's just go to that slide and, and look at it. He says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The longer you journey with one church family, the longer you journey in one local church with brothers and sisters in Christ, those brothers and sisters are not perfect. They will disappoint you. They will hurt you. They will make mistakes. They will irritate you. They will frustrate you. They will not always demonstrate the mind of Christ themselves. There is no perfect church member. There is no perfect 
staff member. Now get ready for this one. And there is no perfect lead pastor. I know some of you, that may be a shock. Let that just settle down, okay? But there isn't. And I will disappoint you. And I may hurt you. And you will disappoint me. And you will hurt me. And the only path that we are called as Christians is not to be resentful, not to become cynical, not to become bitter, not to become angry, not to gossip, but instead the only path that we can take is we need to keep forgiving each other just as Christ forgave us. So we're going to come in just a moment and make a pledge. And it's a pledge about unity. And so at this moment, we're going to just turn this over to Pastor Carolyn at the Brentwood campus as we move into this ministry time. Well, as we move into this ministry time, I want you to take this outline. And uh, if you have one of the outlines, I want you to grab one. If you don't have one, grab one right now. And yes, the worship band, please come on up. And um, what we're going to do is we're going we're to ask you to think about making a pledge. And, and actually, we're going to tie it together with something tonight. We're going to be doing the Lord's Supper here in just one moment. And what I'd like you to do and think about is this. I'd like you to, first of all, look at this pledge. And listen, I'm going to read it right now. It says, I will seek to be a source of unity for the sake of the gospel. I will create unity by serving others and remembering that Christ served me by going to the cross. It's not about my preferences and desires. I know there are no perfect pastors, staff, or church members. I I will not be a source of negative talk. Instead, I will forgive those who hurt me. My church is about more than me. Um, You know, we're going to simply let the worship team lead us in a very one verse and a chorus of a song. And during that time, I'm just going to ask that you remain seated as as Daryl leads us in this moment. And just pray, pray this as you decide to sign this or not. And I, and I hope that this is not something that you feel pressure to. You simply say, this is, this is the type of church member I want to be. This is God's call in my life. I, I, I'm getting, I understand now, this is what I need to be. And, and you need to start to pray, Lord, help me to love this church in a way that I can be a unifying church member. And after you sign it, hold on to it because then... In just a moment, we're going to ask you to come and bring this pledge and drop it in a, in a pledge basket as you come to take part in the Lord's Supper. Daryl? Let's just remain seated as we sing. During this series on I'm a Church Member, we are actually going to conclude the rest of the services during this series. So this week and the next couple of weeks, we're going to conclude each service with the Lord's Supper. Why? Because ultimately being a church member is really about love. It's loving one another, really. But that love for one another is rooted in Christ's love for us shown to us on the cross. So now we want to invite you to the Lord's table, to all those who've given their life to Christ. 
And you can make actually that decision today. And as you come, you can even, if today you haven't made that decision for Christ, you can decide today to follow Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, as we come to the Lord's table, we simply ask that all of those who are willing to say, Lord Jesus, I know you came here on earth to die on the cross for my sins. And Lord Jesus, you rose again and you showed your power over sin and death and Satan. And now, Lord, by the moving of your Holy Spirit in my life, I now open my life to you. I simply believe and I receive you to be my Savior and my Master. Lord, I pray that all those who simply say that, say, Lord, that's me. That's where I want to be. I'm opening my life to you. Lord, we welcome them into the family of God. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So now we invite you to come to receive the elements of the body, which is the bread, and of Christ's blood, which is the cup. And in those symbols, please take them, Go back to your seat and then wait until my instruction so that we may together in unity receive and remember what Christ has done for us. But I also invite you to, as you come, first of all, drop your pledge into the pledge basket and then receive the elements. Let us together eat of this symbol of Christ's body, this bread, in remembrance of his sacrifice for us. Jesus said, this blood is the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us drink this remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for us and be thankful. Well, we have pledges here people who say, I want to be a unifying church member. Um, let's stand. We're going to pray over these pledges, and we're going to have benediction, and then the band's going to go crazy. So here we go. Lord, the pledges that are before us here today are not possible on our own strength. We simply can't, on our own will, love each other the way you've called us to love. But Lord, we pray by your Holy Spirit Fill us with the grace, the strength, and the wisdom to live out these pledges. And now, may God, who gives, this, gives us patience and encouragement, help us live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of us can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, and Godspeed.